Thank you for listening to this podcast from Renew San Diego, a church for the good of all our neighbors in North Park, San Diego. If you're ever in the area on Sunday mornings, we'd love to welcome you. More information at renewsandiego.org. Share with a friend. See you soon. Friends, we turn now to our scripture reading for the day, which comes from uh, the Gospel of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 15. If you're following along, I'm going to read uh, five extra verses that are not printed that we'll continue on with as we go. Very truly, I tell you, said Jesus, anyone who does not enter by the sheepfold by the gate, but climbs in by another way, is a thief and a bandit. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. They will not follow a stranger, but they will run from him because they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this figure of speech with them, but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. The hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own. And my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we pray now in the silence and stillness of this moment, or maybe things are just buzzing around us, even when we can manage to get our minds and our bodies still for just 30 seconds, still our questions swirl around us. Our needs can cloud our vision. So we invite you, the Good Shepherd, to give us everything we need in this moment, to open our eyes to your grace, our minds to your truth, our hearts to your love, our lives to your very presence. Would you help us to see, no matter how we find ourselves in this moment, that you see us to our very depths, you know everything about us, and your response is to move toward us in sacrificial, self-giving love in the person and work of your son, Jesus Christ, the Good Shepherd. So we invite you now, by the power of your Holy Spirit, to teach us in a way that our lives would be changed. We pray all these things for our good and for your glory. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I was speaking to one of my best friends this week. He's up in the Bay Area. And I was asking him what this pandemic has been like for him over the past several weeks. And he informed me that after four weeks, things are actually getting easier for him and for his family. They're establishing rhythms. 
they're establishing patterns, and things are kind of settling in for them. And at that moment, I knew he and I are two very different people. <laughs> because as I go on, I'm getting what I think we should call quarantine fatigue. I'm getting tired of having all of my options minimized and limited, not being able to see my friends or family that I'd like to see. Finally, this week, they opened the beaches back up. And by the way, San Diego, you are doing a good job of social distancing at the beach. I'm proud of you. Please keep it up. I don't want it to be taken away. But whether you feel like you're in this moment of things are settling in, you're developing rhythms, or things feel like they're coming undone, and you're getting stir-crazy as the anxiety seems to rise, Therapists talk about the ways we respond to difficulty. We either overfunction, we try to control everything, we try to get it all under wraps, or we shut down. We kind of go to sleep. We go to sleep to ourselves, we go to sleep to the situation. We don't want to get out of bed in the morning. We go back to old addictions, old patterns, bad habits, just more entertainment, more Netflix, more Tiger King, or more The Last Dance. That's been a better show for what, I, for what it's worth. Uh, but we respond to the difficulty of this season in so many different ways. And it's intriguing that this passage comes to us today. Because what it insinuates is that Jesus is a good shepherd. Let's take a look today and see, well, what, what does that even mean? What does it mean to say that Jesus is a good shepherd? And then what does that mean practically to you and me, to us, that he's the good shepherd? And finally, how do we respond? First, Jesus is a good shepherd, and what that means is he knows us. He knows our weaknesses. He sees the ways that we respond to this very season, to the difficulties of this life. He knows the ways that you overfunction, that you shut down. You see, saying that he's the good shepherd insinuates that we are sheep. And sheep are cute, but they're dumb animals. Sheep are confused easily. Sheep get easily lost. Sheep, even when the shepherd finally finds them, they don't celebrate and say, hooray, I'm found, I can't wait to jump back into your arms. They panic and start running to and fro, and the shepherd has to throw himself on top of them to bring them back home safely. You and I are sheep. Doesn't that just fit with your experience? When you're really honest, I mean, we do a good job of putting up a veneer and pretending like things are better than they are, but let me give you a couple examples. We're easily misled. We're, we're misled in terms of the ways we receive guidance. I think most of us can say, you know, 10 years ago, when you think of yourself 10 years ago, you, you'd say humbly, uh, 10 years ago, I needed guidance. 10 years ago, I didn't know. 10 years ago, I didn't understand. 10 years ago, I was so naive. 10 years ago, I did some things that were so silly. But you know what that means. Your future self in 10 years is going to say those very same things about you right now. Because we're always naive. We're always doing silly things. We're always easily misled. He knows us. He knows us in terms of our self-understanding. You know, it's very common these days and has been for several decades now to say things like, no one can tell you who you are. You establish your own value. Nobody else's voice matters in your life. It shouldn't matter what other people think about you. Sticks and stones may break your bones, but words will never hurt you. The only problem with that is it's nonsense. Because what other people think about us does affect us. You know, if there was a poet who said, you know, for the last three years I've, I've showed, you know, 
1,000 people all my poetry, and a thousand out of a thousand have said, it's terrible, it stinks, you need to find a different job, you're not a good poet, you need to give up, you're not creative, but I know that my poetry is great. What would you say about that person? On one hand, you could say they've got a strong backbone and a stiff upper lip, but you might also say they're delusional because we don't get to bless ourselves. We are not self-accredited, and he knows this. And so what does the good shepherd do with all the ways we get misguided? What does the good shepherd do with all the ways we go and try to hear that voice that says, you're successful, you matter, you're beautiful, you're desirable, you're significant. We run to so many things, so many dysfunctional things, or even to good things. But we make good things ultimate things. And ultimately, they're not strong enough to hold the weight and the nobility of our lives. And Jesus, the good shepherd, comes and says, you're a sheep. And it's okay. I know you. You see what he does? He calls them by name, and he leads them out. He calls them by name. Jesus in his ministry is constantly doing this. In the beginning of his ministry, when he meets Nathaniel, Nathaniel had been under the tree, openly and verbally doubting who Jesus is, kind of insulting toward Jesus. And Jesus says, you know, I saw you under the tree. I know you. I know you. When he meets Simon, he says, Simon, I'm going to give you a new name. Peter, which means the rock. And by the way, that was not a descriptive word for Peter. That was a prescriptive word for Peter. You know what I mean by that? He wasn't saying, Peter, you're strong, you're big enough, you pulled yourself up by your bootstraps, you're a tough guy, so I'll call you the rock. No, he said, Simon, when you're in the midst of your fear, when you're the kind of guy that would deny me three times on the very day I'm crucified, when you're the kind of guy when I tell you, look at me and you can walk on water, but you don't, and you start drowning, and I reach out my hand and save you, even then I'll tell you what your name is, the rock. Not because you're strong, but because you're with me. Not because you're completely faithful, but because I will never let you fall or fail. I will give you a new name. I will give you my name. He renames you. But you see what else he does? He leads them out. It's interesting reading this in the United States as Westerners, uh, because Western, and I learned all this just in sermon preparation, Western and Eastern art of shepherding is different. In the West, shepherds drive their sheep forward. They use you know, sheep dogs to move them forward. In the East, the shepherd leads the sheep, walks before them, calls them by name. There's a relational aspect to it. The shepherd doesn't give the sheep a map or a Google pin and say, meet me there. The shepherd has to stay intimately connected to the sheep, close to them, knowing their needs. We'll get to that. In a, very mo in a moment. And then the shepherd goes after us when we wander. In Luke chapter 15, when Jesus wanted to explain how God feels about you and me, he uses a shepherd analogy and says, even if, if the shepherd had a hundred sheep and one gets lost, the shepherd goes after it, searching for it, finds it, puts it on his shoulders, carries it home. So in all the ways, you and me, right now, can list out, I'm easily misguided. I easily wander. I listen to all these other voices to tell me who I am and what my significance will be. He is the good shepherd who knows you by name and leads you out. 
It means he values us to the point of sacrificing his own life. In verse 11 and following, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep and he compares and contrasts it with a hired hand. The hired hand doesn't care about the sheep. They care about their paycheck. But the shepherd cares about their sheep. The shepherd will give his own life on behalf of the sheep. And as you and I know how the story continues, Jesus ultimately does give his life for the sake of the sheep. He does it of his own will, his own volition, his own accord. He does it because he sees an intrinsic value in you and me that's far beyond the value we see in ourselves. You see, the problem is you and I far too undervalue ourselves. But he sees the value. You know, I brought a little vase or urn here that I wanted to share with you. It's a little show and tell with Pastor Matt on Sunday morning by Facebook Live. It's beautiful. It's really neat, actually. Florence, my wife, found this at a thrift store in San Francisco. And she thought it was attractive. She wasn't going to pay 20 bucks for it, so she got them down to about $5. And when she got home, it was all tarnished, and so she polished it up. She noticed on the bottom this little tiny stamp. And she looked it up. She Googled it. This turns out that it's made by one of the fine silversmiths in England. And it's valued at $3,000. She got it not knowing its value. And now we prize it because of its extreme value. You and I so often treat ourselves like the $5 tarnished little vase at the thrift store. God looks at you and says, you have more value than you could possibly imagine. Do you want to see how much I value you? I would give my own life on your behalf. He values us to the point of giving his own life. And he gives us the things we need. There's another place throughout scripture where it talks about a shepherd and sheep. Psalm 23, which is read often. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. There's an interesting line there. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. It's a picture of a sheep at rest. Now, what I learned is that there are several conditions that need to be met in order for a sheep to lie down. A sheep will not lie down if they're hungry. They're going to go looking for food. He's the good shepherd, and he will make sure you have all that you need. A sheep will not lie down if they're afraid of being attacked by a wolf or a fox from without. He's the good shepherd that will protect you from without. In fact, that's what he's getting at in this passage. Jesus says, you know, I am the gate and I am the shepherd. And when I was reading that, I thought, well, Jesus, make up your mind. Which one are you, the gate or the shepherd? And from, from a Western perspective, we go, I don't understand that. Everybody who would have heard this originally would go, I get it. Because back then, the sheep pen wouldn't have a gate. Once the sheep were all brought safely in, the shepherd himself would lie down across the threshold of the pen to keep invaders out and the sheep safely in. You see, from the outside, it looks like to become a Christian means all sorts of new constraints on your life and mine. Giving our will over to the will of someone else. Giving our care over to the care of someone else. And he says, don't you know that when you give yourself over to my will and my care, you don't lose your freedom, you actually find it. You actually become protected, not only from the damage that comes to you from without, I will help you to weather any storm, I'll walk with you through any pain. But you also 
begin to develop more health from within from the damage that we do to ourselves. He feeds us. He protects us. A sheep, thirdly, will not lie down if they're being infested and attacked by a parasite. There's actually a parasite, a bug, that crawls inside the sheep's ear that drives it so crazy, sheep will bang their head against the nearest tree until they knock themselves unconscious trying to rid this thing, which makes you and me very glad for opposable thumbs and fingers. They will not lie down if they're being attacked by a parasite. They will not lie down if they are not cleaned. The sheep. The shepherd of the sheep will clean you up. And finally, the sheep will not lie down if they're not at peace with one another. If there's fighting within the herd, they can't rest. They can't shut their eyes. They can't lie down and let their guard down. And Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. I'll bring you peace with yourself, with others. I will feed you. I'll nourish you. I'll protect you. I'll care for you. That's what it means to say that he's the good shepherd. Now, what does this mean for you and me? What does this practically mean for us? First, it means you're invited and commended to follow him unconditionally. The sheep don't make demands with the shepherd. The sheep don't say, I don't like this pastor, I like that one over there, I'd rather just go and get myself lost. The sheep actually have developed and built up trust with the shepherd to trust him unconditionally. So when you are tempted to say, you know, God, give me a better career or just protect the career that I have or help me to make ends meet financially, but don't mess with my love life. Don't mess with the things I do in my free time. Or when you and I come to him and say, God, help my relationships. Help my relationship with my spouse or my boyfriend or girlfriend. Would you please give me a boyfriend or girlfriend? Help my relationship with my kids. But don't touch the way I spend my money. Don't mess with my career. When we do that, we're not coming to the good shepherd. When we say, I'll believe, I'll trust you, I'll follow you, Jesus, if you fill in the blank, if he affirms your politics, if he confirms your decisions, if your vision of Jesus happens to include the people that you like, that are like you, but actually excludes others, who are not like you that you don't like, you will never find him that way. Because he's not your personal assistant that you just buzz into the room every now and then when you need a little advice. He's the good shepherd. And the good shepherd, this doesn't convey in the translation from Greek, but the, the word in Greek for good, it's not merely he's morally good, like he's a good person. It's a word that is full of meaning. He's the beautiful shepherd. He's the noble, honorable, compellingly lovely shepherd. He's not only powerful, he's good. He's not only useful, he's beautiful. And he calls you by name. He calls you by name. One of my dear friends' father was a cattle rancher in Brazil. And they told me this story this past week about the time that her father's cattle ranch was raided by bandits and they stole all his cattle. And some time went by and Pedro, her dad, went out to this pen and saw a whole bunch of cattle and he knew that some of them were his. All he had to do was walk in the middle of that pen and he started calling his cattle by name. Daisy, come here, or whatever you call them in Brazilian Portuguese, by name, 
and the cattle gathered around him and walked out to freedom. Jesus comes to you and me and says all the ways you get lost, all the ways you are confused, all the ways you wander, listen to me. I call you by name. I know you better than you know yourself. I will give you a new name. Beloved. That will be the badge you wear upon your chest. That will be the crown you wear upon your head. When you look in the mirror, the truest, loudest verdict that you hear on your life is, you are the beloved child of God in whom he's well pleased and he will never leave you or forsake you. Only the good shepherd can say that to you. Friends, your career can never say that to you. Or it might promise it, but it will never live up to it. The greatest entertainment in the world, even the best relationships aren't strong enough to give you that sort of an identity. What would be different tomorrow if you woke up and the first and loudest voice you heard before your concerns or your cares, before the anxiety can rise up in the thermometer of your heart, the first word, you are beloved. God is with you. He knows you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. And that's the truest thing about you and me. See, maybe the hardest thing I do as a pastor is convince you, convince my own heart that he actually loves us this much. You see, you will never run to him as the good shepherd until you can see that. But once you do, why would you wait another moment? And so that leads us to how we conclude here. How do we respond? We respond by following him, by trusting him, but then he's the good shepherd who transforms us from sheep to friends to shepherds. We're actually invited then to go and do likewise. Look at what he's doing and pattern our lives after his. Move toward the pain points of others. Become the most accessible, safest person in the room that others know they can go to you when they're frail or failing or scared or concerned. To be an agent of God's grace wherever we go. To be people who not only receive the good news of this shepherd that calls us by name and leads us out into good pastures, but to be the kind of trustworthy, grace-filled people that are known for doing that in our neighborhoods, in our city, in our homes, and in our world. And friends, when we do that, individually and as a church, we are living out our calling to follow the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Friends, may you be filled with the good news of this gospel today. May this be the true tune of your life as we move forward together. Let's pray. Gracious God, we hear these words now in the midst of a cacophony of other words and stories and narratives. Give us ears to hear your voice, the good shepherd who leads us who feeds us, who protects us, who cleans us, who nourishes us, who leads us out, who calls us by name. Whether for the first time or for the thousandth time, help us to open our lives to that truth and give ourselves to you as you've given yourself to us. And then give us the courage and conviction to go forward and to do likewise. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you.